sweet presence here this morning. Amen. Appreciate you singing the way you do and entering in. I know the Holy Spirit is pleased with your worship. Amen. I can feel it. We're going to take our needs to the Lord at this time. Ask Brother Ben Pritchard if he would take these needs to the Lord for us after we mention them. Amen. I want to remember the Drum family in prayer this morning. Amen. I want to remember Sister Carol Henley as well with her situation. Amen. Sister Cindy Walters is with her this this morning, so we'll remember her in prayer as well. Amen. We definitely want to keep Brother Ron Spencer and his wife in prayer. What they're going through. Amen. If you remember Brother Peter, coffee and prayer. He is on vacation. They're traveling. So let's remember him in prayer. Amen. We'll keep Steve and uh, Sarah in our prayers. They're in Virginia ministering. Amen. And the Paschal family was not able to be with us at this time. Amen. That's all I have at this time. Do you have unspoken prayer requests? By uplifted hands. Amen. God knows your every need, friends. As Brother Ben Pritchard comes, we'll pray with you. Opportunity to come to your house. Lord, a true sanctuary, Lord, is that we can come to to feel your presence. God, after being surrounded by an ungodly world all week, God, we come here and just feel your presence. And God, we can just enter in and Lord, what a sweet presence it is. God, you see the ones that are sick and afflicted, Lord. Our brother Ron Spencer, Lord, I pray that you just, your hand of healing will go down upon him, Lord. Touch him, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you just bring him out on the other side with a great testimony like you've always done for him. We pray that you bless the minister this morning, Lord. We want to hear your word. We pray that you just ones that are traveling, keep them safe. We give this, the rest of the service to you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats. Sister Julia has a song for us this morning, and as she's getting ready to make her way forward, why don't we sing that little song, I'm Amazed That You Love Me, Key of C, I believe. No, no one knew how long I was feeling and the emptiness I tried so hard to hide though I laughed and said my life was fine without you I was covering up the secret tears I cried and one day Someone told me of your mercy And the love you showed on a hill called Calvary There you died and purchased my redemption When you broke sin's power and set my spirit free I'm that you love me, oh, I'm amazed how you can, through your precious blood I found. 
song. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning as our pastor comes forward. Amen. I believe it's time for the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song together as our pastor comes forward. You are awesome in this place. You are awesome in this place. 
and she is here, I think. Not here today. We wish her a happy birthday, probably listening. And uh, also, September 19th is uh, Sarah Coffey's birthday, and uh, we appreciate Sister Sarah. This week, uh, I, I, I did something for Sister Sarah, and uh, she... Uh, she does a lot of work, a lot of a lot of back work, and a lot of things take off my plate and helps out. Uh, does lots of, of things that I can just kind of hand over to her, which is really really great. And uh, I found a, a pizza gift card this week that said the bo- the boss or the CEO um, uh, was was thankful or in some something. I wish I had the the wording of it, but anyway. So I sent that to her, and I said, this is an office party. It's a one-woman office party. Uh, you can invite Steve if you want, but uh, we, we just wanted to say that we appreciate uh, her very much, and may the Lord richly bless you. I don't know if they're listening today. They're on their way uh, to Virginia and ministering up there and being a blessing uh, in that part of the world. Uh, let me give you a couple of prayer requests uh, today, and, and uh, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, we want to remember uh, Brother Ron, Sister Connie Spencer. Uh, we, we've been in regular contact, matter of fact, daily contact with them and uh, just been uh, praying not only for those two, but their church as well. Brother Ron, uh, because he had the COVID pneumonia, has, has real severe coughing spells. And that's what really, really takes it out of him. And he said, he said, whatever you do, he said, don't catch this virus. He said, it's just really been rough on him, especially. Uh, but Sister Connie's mother, Sister Fraser, uh, was put in hospital on Friday, and uh, her temperature is still high, but some of her vitals are looking better all the time, and we've been asked to remember them in prayer. They have a bunch of people in their church who are uh, not well. Also as well, Sister Carol Henley listening today, and uh, we are thankful that the Lord brought her through her uh, procedure, uh, had a heart cath, went in through her wrist, and uh, did a stent in there, and uh, I told her, well, you know, her heart's got a couple of miles on it. It's got a few miles, so uh, it's not, uh, not, not a bad report after all, and, and they sent her home. Uh, Sister April Grant came along for the weekend, and so she was under great care, and Sister Cindy Walters fixed them a big uh, home-cooked meal, and so they were just delighted about all that. Sent me a picture last night, and I would show you the picture, but Sister Carol would get all over me if I showed you that picture. Uh, so we're, uh, we're thankful for Sister Carol, and we want you to continue to remember her in prayer. Drums are not here today. This happens to be uh, the week, and I don't know exactly the day, but 10 years since Brother Greg passed away. And I was saying to my wife this morning that Brother Greg was a good man, a simple man, but a good man, and uh, just, uh, just somebody that I remember very dearly. Uh, Sister Judy Dilling was listening this morning to the service uh, already, and uh, she just wanted to greet you all and just say that she just really appreciated the atmosphere that was even being broadcast uh, over the waves. So we appreciate Sister Judy, and uh, for all those people that are streaming, we appreciate them and their, uh, their support and their involvement. We uh, also, too, have a need for uh, English spoken word books. And I... Um, just wanted to encourage you. I don't, don't want you to give up your, your good books. Uh, I wouldn't give up mine. But if you have extra spoken word books or you know somebody who does and you want to pass them along, bring them in. Give them to Sister Doris. Sister Doris is our new librarian. Is Sister Doris here? She is here. <laughs> 
Sister Frida has been our librarian for a number of years, and because of her uh, extra commitment with her mother and uh, other responsibilities, uh, Sister Doris stepped up and took over the responsibilities of our library and uh, been setting it up, so we're anxious to get it back open again. But if you have any extra spoken word books, English books that you want to send over, even if they're not in great condition, bring them in, and uh, we'll make sure that they get uh, overseas or people that are wanting to have English books with the things that we're printing over there. And uh, we're excited about all the work that's going on with Vision Books. We'll give you some updates as we go along here. So that is a big help. Let me just bring you over here. I wanted to show you a couple of pictures this morning. Uh, this is Brother Malachi, and he's the uh, he's our brother who does uh, constant mission work uh, over there in that part of the world. And uh, they're giving out Bibles here, and uh, these people are so excited to be able to get them. Uh, this is Brother Malachi. He went back out uh, after a while to visit the uh, the. Uh, uh, the Maasai people uh, out there and the new converts, and he was uh, ministering to them and uh, baptized some new folks that are out there, and uh, he uh, had his picture taken in a relaxed form. That's the Michigan Basketball Association T-shirt that he's got on there. And uh, a lot of times they, they have clothes that I bring over to him, but I didn't bring that one. Uh, I didn't have a shirt for the Michigan Basketball Association, but uh, that's him with the, some of the new converts that are there. I, sh- I sent out this picture. Some of you already saw that one. Uh, this is uh, new, the new converts in that village, and this is their house behind them. And their house is halfway dug into the dirt. So they do that uh, for cooling purposes, but they also do it for protection from uh, some of the marauders and people that come through there. So they basically try to camouflage their house and uh, bury it halfway in the ground. That's very common in that rural part uh, of Africa there. This is inside one of the houses here, and he's talking and witnessing to some of the people that are there. And this is also the, one of the Maasai mothers and, their, and her mother, uh, who's over here in this little corner with the baby, and they're making, uh, they're making dinner there. That would be a treat for any of you to go and have dinner in a place, in a setting like this, that's for sure. And this is a, a mother here who's uh, holding, a, she's doing a little Bible study, and they took a picture of that. And then uh, this morning, Brother Elias sent me this picture. This is a place where uh, John Anthony Harwell and I went uh, in this region. It's called Lake Victoria region, which is on the, uh, uh, the eastern side of Lake Victoria. And uh, we were able to go and visit there, and they were receiving new books and new Bibles, and they were very excited and very happy about that. Most of these look pretty young. And uh, they're, uh, they were pretty excited to have, uh, have their own Bible. So they all wanted to send along their thanks to you for uh, all that's done in order for those people to have those, uh, those materials. That is a really, really uh, big thing for them. That's a really great thing. So we're just delighted to be able to do that. Let's stand to our feet this morning, and uh, let's just... Jump in. We want you to take your Bible and go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read a little passage there as we begin this morning. How many of you love the Lord this morning? I want you to say this. I really love God's Word. I really, really love God's Word. Now we have a visiting family. Oh, it's Brother Keith and Sister Sarah. God bless you. But the key's been three weeks since you've been here. That's just too long. 
Good to have you back. Proverbs chapter 3. I'd like to read a couple of verses here right at the beginning this morning. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. That's a great verse. Remember now, this is all based on a man's heart keeping the commandments of God. That's what, that's what sets this in motion, that he will have peace, he'll have long life, and so forth, all of that. And in verse 4, so shall thou find, find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and you shall know his path for you. That's how the Hebrew says it. You shall know his path for you. Father, we ask your blessing on the reading of the word. Lord, quicken it, I pray. You know my limitations, but we know your greatness. We give this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Now, let me just preamble this morning like I like to do and like I'm known to do. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about this idea of the press around us again. But I'm going to deal with uh, a a subject that I've never spoken on before in, in, uh, in dealing with this topic this morning. And that is the the, the subject of favor, the paradox of favor. Now, we, uh, we read in, in, the, in the text here in the passage in Proverbs chapter 3 about how that, as I said, that God, or sorry, uh, Solomon conditions or uh, he informs his son, teaching his son here and uh, his many sons that they are to keep the, the commandments out of their heart. They are to keep the commandments sincerely, not just uh, because everybody else is doing it, and not just because uh, they're in a church where this is the standard, but when you do something out of your heart, you're going to do it anywhere, anytime, no matter who's watching. You're not, you're not pressured by, uh, you know, people who don't. You're going to do it because it's real to you when you do it out of your heart. And this is what he says, but when you do it out of your heart, when you do it because it is God's word and you believe that God's word is true, and these things are things I've said to you before many times, then there are rewards or there's blessings, there's favor that comes with that. And he says that there are, there are things that uh, will accompany that, like mercy and truth. He said, they will, they will be with you and bind them about your neck and write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall thou find favor with God and good understanding in the sight of God. So when God, for instance, when God wrote something on a table, a st- tablet of stone, it, it, the symbol, the symbolism is pretty clear. He wanted his word to be uh, for, forever in place among the children of Israel. 
It was not going to fade away like a scroll would fade away. It was not going to be something written on the sand that wind could uh, erode. It was something that God wanted for the people of Israel to hold forever, to be able to see forever. And so this is the idea that Solomon is conveying to his son and his family around him, that he wanted them to have the Word of God embedded in their hearts, and he wanted it to be real to them. And there's going to be blessings that follow those, uh, those, uh, uh, those acts of obedience. God made us to obey, didn't he? We, we actually operate within the perfect will of God when we obey. Matter of fact, your body even responds when we disobey. Right? They can put a lie detector test on you, and no matter how good you're, uh, you are at facial expressions, and no matter how much you try to hide it, whenever you disobey or you lie, uh, your body responds to that because that's not what you were made for. You cannot make your body not react to something that is, that is uh, disobedient or a lie. It's going to respond in a certain way. Now, let me just, uh, let me just say this as we open up this idea. That light is a pretty powerful thing for us. It's a pretty important thing for us. The light, when we say the light, we're not just talking about natural light, but we're talking about the light that God sends, the light that God gives. It's a pretty important thing for us. It, it, is, uh, it is, in reality, the, the thing that, uh, that we live by. It is the thing that we grow by. It is the thing that we understand by. Uh, it is, it is in, a, in a sense, it is uh, everything that uh, we, everything we understand, it is because that God shined a light, God shone a light on something that we never saw before, and all of a sudden it's illuminated to us. Light is a big deal to us. Now think about this. The foolish virgins lacked light because they lacked oil. If you get the right oil, you're going to get the right kind of light. The right kind of light's going to identify the right person that they needed to see. And they could not, you remember in the story of the foolish virgins in Matthew 25, you know, they said, hey, give us some of your oil. They said, no, we can't do it. Because the, the oil which provides light when it's burned is, is not something that you can give. I can't give you the light of a revelation. And I can't give you an understanding of something. That light comes from God. And so they said, no, we, we can, we have what we have. You have to go to him that, uh, that, that sells it or gives it away. That's something that's going to be between you and God. In Psalm 97, I found this scripture verse where David said, light is sown for the righteous. Light is actually sown for the righteous. Psalm 97, 11. In Genesis 21, or sorry, Genesis chapter 1. God made the light. He made the lesser light, which is the moon, and he made the, the great light, the strong light, which is the sun. And he said, the sun will rule the day. The sun will rule the day, the light of the sun. And we find in Zechariah chapter 14, for instance, as well, uh, we know that uh, there shall be light about the evening time. That light, which brings understanding to us, differentiates us from every other group of believers on the face of the earth. Right? In other words, our understanding is different. Lots of people have the same Bible we have. But there, and sad to say, there are even people who read the message who have a different understanding. But there are people on earth, otherwise we would not be here, and God would never have sent this message. I believe there are people on the earth who have the right understanding because they're walking in the light that God's provided in this last day. 
I don't want to, I don't want to have a superior attitude. I don't want to have an arrogant attitude at all. But I'm just saying that, uh, in every age, God's got somebody who receives the light that he sends. Otherwise, God would not send it. Right? So in Noah's day, there had to be somebody who received the message of the hour. Otherwise, God would not have made a provision for the elect of that day. It doesn't matter whether there's a lot or a little. It, it matters that God sends a light. Somebody catches it because that's God's order. That's God's design. Light is a big thing to us. We find also, uh, in, for instance, in Goshen, I really like this, in, in the, the time that Israel was in captivity, in Genesis chapter 45, the people of Israel were placed in Goshen by Joseph. They were there because Joseph knew that this was going to be a good place and a special place for his family, and so he placed them there. And when God places them there, then they are sheltered from the other plagues that strike Israel or Egypt when the time of the Exodus finally arrives. God knew in advance that they needed to be in a special place. And it was a, it was a place that God, uh, Joseph put them there. And being there, they had a protection from the other things that happened around them. And then when the plague of darkness struck, they, the, the Bible says that they had light in Goshen. They had light in Goshen. Light was a big deal to the people who were in Goshen. And it was a very important thing that, uh, that they experienced there. Now, I, I, I put this up here on, this, on the screen here because uh, in, in the, exactly the same way that in the early church age, they had a great illumination under the ministry of Paul who took all the Old Testament prophecies about Jehovah and displayed Jesus through them. They realized that Jehovah of the Old was indeed Jesus of the New. They were not two different gods. It was the same God, but God had manifested himself in flesh to die as a suffering Savior and pay the price for sinfulness and then went back to that, uh, to that uh, form that he was in the Holy Spirit that he was going to be present through the church. And this was Paul's great revelation for the church. They had great light in that time. Wouldn't you agree? As a lot of people had a, you know, they probably spent a lot of time shaking off uh, the traditions of Israel and, and, and Ju- Judaism. But let me tell you something. Paul had uh, a great understanding for them, and it probably took years and years and years for them to really appreciate all of the light that Paul brought to the early church. But then there was a season of darkness, wasn't there? And in that season of darkness, there were very, there was really very little that came forth in terms of a new understanding until really we came to the last day. And Martin Luther had a portion of light. Wesley had it. The Pentecostals had it. But in the last day, we have light about the evening time. How many would agree? We had a light about the evening time. Now here's the, here's the, uh, if you like, the two bookends that I'm referring to in Colossians 1. Paul writes and says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, but is now made manifest. In other words, there's something come to light that we never saw through other ages, but now is made known uh, to his people. And Paul says that God's given me this ministry, and he's favored me or blessed me with this ministry, that now I can bless you and give you this understanding out, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory, and all the rest of it. So this is the, 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 the kind of testimony that Paul had in the early church, that he was given that kind of light. Brother Branham says, well, that pillar of fire, he said, was hid for a while through the dark ages, 
But the first one that saw the pillar of fire, first one that caught the light of a new day was Martin Luther. He said, then sounded the trumpet, come out of the Catholic Church, and then the first thing you know, it caused a great universal revival. So nothing was ever the same after the Reformation, right? There was a, there was many, there were many changes that were made after the, uh, the Reformation and, uh, things, things, uh, progressed all the way down through until they denominated, denominated, denominated until the very end when a prophet came and now all of a sudden we have great light. Light is a big thing to us. Light is a very important thing to us. Because without it, you'd be in darkness. And even worse is for someone to be in darkness and not know it. You, the, the, the sad reality today is that a lot of people don't realize who they're choosing to lead them out of the darkness. They're just choosing the loudest person. They're choosing the most authoritative person. They're, sometimes they're choosing wealthy people. And or government leaders or whatever else, because they cannot see what you can see. For us, hey, you know, elections come, elections go. Uh, you know, personalities come, personalities go. Uh, great powerful nations come, great powerful nations go. That's not our leader. Never has been. Our leader is Jesus Christ. Right? In the form of the Holy Spirit, the Son of Man. He's the one who's leading the, the bride of Christ tonight. It isn't a personality even in the message. It isn't somebody who rises up and, you know, uh, claims a certain authority or a certain insight that's different than a prophet in this last day. You know what? If Brother Branham, uh, sorry, if God wanted to have Brother Branham to be around in this hour, I believe God could have had Brother Branham to be around in this hour. And you know what? If Brother Branham was around in this hour, I'd probably be one of the first to shut the church and say, let's go listen to Brother Branham. Because you know what? Uh, I recognize what a great ministry he had and what a great uh, microphone he was in being used by God. I mean, in other words, if Brother Branham was in town, I think it would be profitable for us to shut it down and go listen to what he had to say. Wouldn't you agree? But you know what? It's also true that if Brother Branham was here, we'd all probably have our eyes on the wrong one at this particular hour. Not that we don't appreciate him at all. We understand his ministry and his role and all of that. But I'll tell you what, if God wanted to have Brother Branham on the, on the front of the parade today, he'd still be here. But he took him off the scene so that he said, I am a son of man revealing the son of man to the public. Just like John the Baptist decreased and Jesus increased, I believe Christ is the one of increase today. I believe he's the one that we want to have our eyes upon. Brother Branham says the same thing. He says, as long as you're building the wall, one straight way, he said, it's fine. Bricklayers can go right down the road, but when you have to turn the corner, he said, you know, dot, 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 and we're not building a wall, we're building a house. So those turns, plural, have to come. So Brother Branham just didn't turn one. There are many turns. Matter of fact, at the top of a pyramid, there are many more turns than there are, or they come more frequently than they do at the base of the pyramid. Right? There's lots of quick turns uh, once you get to the top. And he said they come in the, in the age of Luther and Wesley Pentecost. It's here again. It's hard to turn the corners. It's hard to turn the corners. But even though how rough it's been, the people has responded 100%. I'd like to say this, that all people have not responded 100%. The bride of Christ responds 100%. 
They're willing to turn those corners and they're willing to follow the Holy Spirit because that's what we've been trained to do. That's what we've been conditioned to do is to hear the voice of our, of our teacher, of our leader, and to, and to make those turns and go around those corners. I, listen, I want to say to you today, I believe we're turning a corner. I don't know about you. I believe we're turning a corner. I believe something's different in our world than it was a year ago. It's different in our world than it was at the beginning of this year. We're all, we all joke about 2020, you know, and how it is just a symbol of, it's a symbol or synonym with catastrophe now, right? And, uh, you know, like I said the other day, we just have to have our end of the year dinner, our Christmas dinner, and call it a year and just start in in another year. Hopefully it'll go away. Let's not miss the point or lose the value of living through a difficult time, because in reality, it probably is God doing something that we don't fully comprehend yet in, in, its, in its fullness. I really believe God's doing something. And, and sometimes hardship, hardship, is is a, a a tool that God will use to prove certain things or to bring out certain things. We know that God will never lose the bride through persecution and through hardship and so on. They just tend to dig in a little bit harder. They just tend to hold on a little bit tighter, right? The bride of Christ tends to do that when when things get rough. But Brother Bam's warning us here that uh, you know that that it's the turning of the corners that are hard because now we have to adjust. We have to change from what we got used to to something different. And that can be in the form of a church. That can be in form of a level of faith. That can be in circumstances around you. That can be a, come in a number of different forms. But I will tell you that turning a corner is hard because we as human beings, we love routine. We love normal things. We love predictability in our lives, right? We love consistency. And that's, you know, as a human being, we settle down into that and we like that. And here's Brother Branham telling us that in the spiritual, it's not going to remain that way. We're going to turn corners. And you need to have leadership to know when to turn the corner and then to be able to follow that, waiting for the next corner to turn as well. I want to say to you that as, as members of this church, I appreciate your willingness to turn the corners as the Holy Spirit leads us. And I appreciate your faithfulness to the Word of God and your tithing and your offering and your giving and your, your concern and compassion for the local body and for the body at large. I appreciate that. I don't take that for granted at all. I feel very blessed to have you. I hope the feeling is mutual. Appreciate you saying amen. But I, I really do. I, I, I don't take that for granted. I, I just, you know, uh, I'm just anxious to come to church today. I was anxious to be here. Well, I haven't preached in two weeks, right? Brother Maurice will tell you. I haven't, haven't preached in two weeks here, and that's, there were some circumstances that dictated that. But uh, I, I, just, I, I just, I like to be here. I like to be among you. I, I find this my favorite place in all the world to preach. And uh, if anything that the, the whole virus thing has done is just, I'm here. I don't know how you feel about that, but anyway, let's move on just a little bit further here. Now, and let me just reinforce this point here again, and I want to just divert in a moment. But in 1955, Brother Branham makes two statements here, and one is called the results of a decision. He says, now you're going to see the glory of God. Joshua said, you're going to see God do some great things or strange things. He said, there, there hung the pillar of fire over them, but he said, don't let it get out of your sight because... You've never passed this way before. I believe, he said, that's an experience for the church. I believe that applies to us too. You've never passed this way before. So let's move out towards Jordan. 
God's here leading you. God's here leading us. Do you believe that? Now, Brother Branham didn't say, I'm here leading you, so don't worry. He didn't say that. He said, God's here leading you. I want you to say this with me. God's here leading us. Say it. Now, let's all say it together. God's here leading us. Do you believe that? God's here leading us. Brother Branham said, now, what was the ark in 1962 and a guide? He said, don't, don't travel your denominational roots now. What was the ark? It was the word. Don't travel your <clears throat> denominational roots now. Stay right behind the word because you haven't passed this way before. The word will lead you across. I think that's worth saying together. The Word will lead you across. Say it again. The Word will lead you across. You're good. Because the Word is Christ. Christ is God and God is the Holy Spirit. The Word's going to lead you across. I think that's a wonderful thing. Stay behind the Word. Yes, sir. Stay with that guy. Don't get in front of it. You stay behind it and let it lead you. Don't you lead it. Joshua said, now, you've never passed this way before. You know nothing about the road. Let me tell you something. Don't get in front of it. Stay behind it. Now, we we find this, in this is the scripture here, in Joshua chapter 3. And they commanded the people, uh, saying, now, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, this, this, is, this is the example that were given here from the time of Joshua. And they were to carry the ark on their shoulders. They were to go, step out into Jordan. And they were to cross the, cross the river there. And he says, let, let it go in an order. Let the, the ark go. And then the priests and the Levites will go. And you follow it. And they were to follow in their tribes. And to be a space between it and you. And down to verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do strange things among you. The word wonders there means strange things in the Hebrew. The word wonders there does not mean that God's going to do, you know, sparklers in the sky and fireworks and God's going to entertain you. Not at all. There are going to be strange things that happen. Hey, listen, if you're going to bring down the walls of Jericho with a bunch of trumpets, that's a strange and unusual thing. Right? Uh, just like if you're going to build an ark when nobody said it, nobody had ever seen it rain before, that's a strange thing. Right? Or, you know, if, if uh, Gideon is going to go after the Midianites and he's going to have, uh, you know, a candle in the jug and a trumpet to blow, and that's how we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, no one needs to get up and fight here. Uh, hey, listen, those are not ordinary things. God will do strange things among you. Don't think at all that God's intent here is that he's going to do wonderful things, or uh, even though he does do wonderful things, uh, and, and he does things that are beautiful, and he does things that are, that are you know, uh, uh, incredible, we'd say. God does things that are not what we think. God will come out of left field and do things that we were not predicting at all. God will do things that uh, maybe we even think God should do this, and God will do something else. And that's what he's saying. You just need to sanctify yourselves. You just need to set yourselves aside as God's people, looking like God's people, <clears throat> acting like God's people, and separated as God's people, and, and watch what God does. Just leave it to God. Trust God. That's the idea. Just let, let God have it and do it. Amen. Amen. 
That's always been the lesson. How many of you have your Bible today? Let me see your hand. All right, if you don't mind, here's a bonus for you. Let's go to Mark, the book of Mark. Now, I don't often read from the book of Mark. That's not on purpose. But let's go down to Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. I just want to illustrate this principle here. Joshua tells them, it's not about what you're going to do. It's not even about what you need to do. It's what God's going to do. You just need to prepare yourselves for his presence to come among you and do what God has promised he's going to do. Right? That's the message that he was giving them. You, he does not say uh, that you need to take down Jericho on the way. He does not say that you need to part, part the waters or stop the waters in the River Jordan. He doesn't say that. He just says, you get yourself in order, in line, and follow the leader who, who has provided for you and just watch what God does. Believe that God can do it and believe that God is on the scene fulfilling his word for your day to get us back into the promised land and just watch what God does. Believe that and believe it's God. Even though it may be strange, believe that it's God and, and have faith and trust in that and then see what happens. All right? So that's the idea. That's always been the idea. God, he never asked us to, to defeat the devil single-handedly. He never asked us to send fire from heaven against our enemies. He never said that at all. He said, I'll fight for you. He said, just leave, leave, leave. you just get in line, get in order, be sanctified, be separated, and watch what I do. He does not always do what we want him to do, but, but watch what he does and then believe that it's him. Now, here's an example in, in, in Jesus' time. And the same day, Mark 4, 35, I'm at the end of the chapter. And the same day, the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. That's the commission. That's what he told them we're going to do. All right, so it's not like they're not, it's not like they're wondering about the will of God. They know what it is. We've got to get over on the other side of the lake. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took, uh, they took him even as he was in the ship, and it was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. Number one. The first thing I'd like to say is, even more than the ability to speak the storm out of existence, I'd like to have the peace that would allow me to sleep through the storm. And that's what Jesus had. So they ask him this question, 38. This is a normal question under the circumstances. We're going to die. Can we do something about this? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea. In other words, he responded to their request there. And he said unto the wind ceased, <clears throat> there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now, I don't know about you, but in an elementary sense... We kind of define faith as asking God for something, and he does it. And we, we believe we kind of define that as faith. And yet, here the disciples ask Jesus, can you do something about the storm? He does. Then he turns to them and says, why do you have no faith? That's interesting, isn't it? Because to me, 
Faith is more than just asking for something from God and God responding. I believe it is a rather, if Jesus told us we're going to go over to the other side of the lake, somehow or another, God's going to get us over here, so we really don't need to fear about this whole thing. God's got it. He's got it under control. Somebody say amen. God's got it under control. They asked Jesus what they needed. Jesus responded. Then he says, you have no faith. The faith really needs to be in that commission that God's given or that direction that God's given in the first place to get over on the other side. And that's what Jesus told them that they were going to do. And they feared exceedingly. And they still didn't get it because they're marveling at Jesus speaking the storm out of existence here. I think, I'll tell you what, saints of God, I'm, I'm glad for, I'm glad for light. I'm glad for light. Now, Brother Branham says again one more time. Let's just keep walking into the promised land, not looking back to see what will happen back there and what somebody else is doing. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the Joshua, the leader. Just keep moving on deeper depths and higher heights until you possess everything that God promised you in his word. That last sentence is really a key sentence here. We keep moving on, even if it's in deeper waters and higher heights, until you possess, not by your own strength, but until you possess everything God promised you in his word. If God, listen, let's apply it to our time. If God made a promise for the bride to be changed in a moment, to be actually able to step into that kingdom without death, and God's made that promise. How many of you believe God's made that promise? It's found in, in the scripture. It's found in the message. It's found all over the place. And we believe that that is the promise for us. That's the destiny for the bride of Christ. We're not wondering where we're going. We're not wondering what the, what the order of events are. We know what the order of events are. And we know where we're going. And that's to the wedding supper. We're going to be changed in a moment to the twinkling of an eye. Gather. Pick up those that have uh, gone on before us, and we'll all mingle together, and then we'll eventually arrive at the wedding supper, and we'll be there for three and a half years while Israel receives their message, and then a thousand years, millennium after that, right? Any more detail? You kind of got a little dig a little deeper here, and some of it, don't even ask, just enjoy it as you go through it, uh, because some of it will be manifest only when you get there. Amen. Your pastor doesn't always have all the answers. But here's what, here's what's really true for us now, because we're not there yet. For now, while we're still in these bodies, and there's nothing about me naturally that can see any of that that I just described, you need to believe. You need to believe as we move on in Him and walk in the light as He's in the light, that you're going to possess everything that God promised you in His Word. Along the road, we'll cry out to him. Along the road, we have needs. Along the road, we need healing. Along the road, we have uh, job losses and all the other things that happen to us in life. And it's perfectly okay to cry out to God in the time of your calamity. As a matter of fact, when you cry to God in panic, and you cry to him in fear, That is really the prayer of a servant. Not that there's anything wrong with it, because we all do it. But when you pray from a position of authority, you're praying as a son. 
neither one of those prayers are wrong. Because there are times when you get desperate and you get, you get afraid and you get concerned and you cry out to God and, and you're, you're just looking for Him to act immediately on the scene. But there are times when we stand as, as sons and daughters of God praying from the position that God has brought us into and that's the position of a son. And Brother Branham said that son has more authority before God than even the angels of heaven. Come on now, don't, don't draw back on me. We're talking, we're talking, uh, we're not, we're not at message 101. We shouldn't be at message 101, right? For us. Now, Brother Bram says it again. He says you keep, must keep your eyes on the promise giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on His Word. I think that's, that's pretty self-evident. We've talked a lot about it here. In the times we're living in, as the world gets more grossly dark all the time, then you really need to make sure who your eyes are upon. Now, let me just switch gears just for a moment here and say this, that we as a, we as a people, we have been and continue to be greatly blessed. And the blessings in our lives are meant to be positive things. As a matter of fact, I would say this to all of you, that when you're blessed, it's, the blessing of God is really meant to propel you on to do even more of what God's called you to do. The blessing of God is never for self-promotion. Now, I think if there's anybody who we saw exhibit that, it would have been Brother Branham, who could have used the miracles, the supernatural, uh, the, the extraordinary in his ministry and in his life. Right from a young age, he could have used all of that for promotion towards himself, but he didn't do it. We can say, would you agree that Brother Branham was favored by God to do great things? He was blessed by God to do great things. But he never embraced that blessing or used that blessing as something self-promotional at all. If God has given you wealth, if God has blessed you, for instance, just as an example, and we use that only for ourselves, then we have misused the blessing of God. Now, let me, let me just give you an example. You remember the story, you'll, you'll remember this, where the woman saw Jesus in Simon's house. You remember that? In Matthew 26, she, she saw Jesus in Simon's house and everybody's sitting there and nobody's washed his feet and nobody's anointed him. And she goes and gets the bottle of ointment that she has and runs into the house and begins to anoint him. So in other words, she has something, but she makes the right investment with that oil. She invests it in the right thing. And Jesus even does not prevent her from doing this. He said, hey, hey, wherever the gospels preach, they're going to talk about this woman here. He says, don't stop her. She's anointing me for my burial. But she's also taking what she has and investing it in the right place. And you know what? When she does that, when she takes what she has and gives it away, she leaves that room smelling just like he smells. She's got on her what's on him. Because she invested it in the right place. 
She's the only one in that room who leaves with the same oil that's on him is the same oil that's on her. Everybody else is just kind of bystanders and they're looking at her and looking at her. They're they're just thinking about her scandalous life. And her life was not one to emulate, that's for sure. Her life was, was one of scandal. But nonetheless, when Jesus sees this all unfolding, he does not stop her because he's taking, she's taking what she has and invests it. She gives it in the right way. And as a result, there's something in this, there's a blessing in this for her as well. That's the beauty of God's blessing, that when we invest it in the right way, and when we do with it the right thing, let me tell you, there's a blessing, there's a reciprocal pouring out for the people of God as well, whom God has blessed. Even though we have the blessing not become personally uh, you know, wealthy or we use it for ourselves, or we, uh, you know, we, we promote ourselves at all, that's not the idea, that's not the blessing at all. That's not the purpose of God's blessing at all. It is truly intended for us to be able to be moved forward in the purpose God's called us for. Now let me give you an example of this. In the days of King Solomon, if ever there was an example of somebody who was favored by God, truly it was Solomon. And he he wrote about being favored, and there are texts that we read there, by keeping the commandments at heart. Solomon did that in the early part of his life. So much so, listen, that he found favor even with nations that normally would have fought Israel continually. And they were at peace because God had favored him so much. We find even in the telling of the Scripture that as unusual as it is for a monarch of another country to come to Israel and bring gifts to Solomon because he has been so blessed of God. The queen of Sheba, she, she leaves her home and travels a great distance. And if you don't think it's far, you may have looked it up on a map, but if you don't think it's far, try walking it or doing it on the back of a camel, which would be horrendous. And, and leave from, uh, from her town, her country, and, and travel with all those people and all of the wealth that she had simply to bring to Solomon to sit at his feet because he was so blessed of God. That's an unusual thing. And he's got, he's got riches and he's got wisdom and he's favored of God in many, many ways. And all the earth sought to Solomon. Nobody else has this written about him in the scripture. All the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And he kept that testimony until later in his life, somehow, somehow, something got in there. And I don't want to conjecture or you know, wonder how, out loud here. In, in the very next chapter, in 1 Kings chapter 11, 1, King Solomon loved many strange women. The phrase strange women is used only three times in the Bible. It's all in the Old Testament. Every one of the Hebrew definitions has to do with immoral or prostitution or women of questionable character. Now, that's not to say that Solomon married harlots. That's not the idea. But let me say this. Solomon, having the favor and the blessing of God, 
actually set himself up to receive counterfeit blessings and favor by doing something that God had already done for him, but he wanted to do it himself. Now, back in that day, it was common for kings to let their daughters marry other foreign kings to achieve peace. The marriages were arranged for political purposes. And they would do that in order to, well, if you marry my daughter, then I won't attack you while I'm alive and so forth. And this went on all the time. In other words, Solomon being favored of God, he didn't need to do that. But I will tell you that Satan will get into this area of a person's life and pervert that to a counterfeit blessing if we're not careful. You say it doesn't happen. Let me tell you, it happened in the Garden of Eden. Because here is a man, Adam, made in the image of God. And when Satan comes along and talks to Eve and Adam, he says, hey, the reason God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil is that you'll be like God. You know what? They already were. They were made in the image of God. Listen to Brother Mike Holloway last Sunday, and he did an excellent job in talking about the idolatry and all the other things that went, went related with that. Here's a man who's already made in the image of God. Think about this now. And then when Satan comes along and says, hey, you can become like God if you eat from this tree, and they're already like God. You know what they're going for? They're going for the counterfeit blessing. And where does that come from? It doesn't come from God. Are you getting my point? Sometimes somebody maybe who, uh, you know, they might have attained a great position in life or wealth or whatever else, and now all of a sudden they want to do something, you know, of their own. It's, it's not so much, it's not so much now that they're using this and seeking God as to what they can do, even though they may have started that way. But the blessings of God can actually mess with your mind enough that you can be thinking something that can actually grieve God with the blessings of God. All I want you to do is think about this. I remember a man telling a story that when Solomon made the decision that he did and went after these strange women, historically, it set Israel back about 300 years in terms of the bondage that they went through and the divided kingdom, everything else that followed after Solomon's reign. And it was because he went after the counterfeit blessings and now all of a sudden Israel was in the position that he was when Solomon died and so forth for 300 years. You know why? Because, let's put it this way, every one of us create a wake in life. You know what a wake is that follows a boat in the water? Every one of us create a wake. When you're in a position of leadership and authority like someone like Solomon, you create a bigger wake. And when we make mistakes, very often, we create a real big wake. And a wake can be a dangerous thing. I remember years ago, and I don't remember who was with me. I don't know if Lucas was with me or Steve. But we were on Claytor Lake, and we were coming into Conrad's Marina in there. We needed something. We needed oil or something for the boat. We had rented a boat. And the guy didn't have the little boat that we wanted. The only one he had left was this humongous pontoon boat, okay? I mean, it was a big one, and it had a a bigger size motor on it because the boat was so big. And was that you, or was that Steve? It doesn't really matter. Um, 
but it was one of the boys I was, I was on the boat with. And, you know, we were kind of motoring along in this big pontoon boat, as big as a, an aircraft carrier, just about. And so it had quite a wake behind it. I mean, it was quite a rig. We didn't need that. We just wanted to go across the lake and fish from the, from the, the deeper water. And uh, so as we were going into this beautiful scene, it's a, almost like a fjord where there's deep water and there's high hills on the side of it. And then there's a marina right at the end of the channel and all these nice boats are all in there, sailboats. And you can picture the scene in Virginia on a beautiful sunny day. Calm waters. And I, I, we're, just, we're just, you know like tourists, and we're just motoring in there. And I'm, I'm motoring in at the, at the speed which is too great for this little narrow channel. And as I'm going in there, <clears throat> there's a guy who's in a house way up on the hill. I mean, he was a good ways up. I, could, I had to look for him to actually find him. He was that far away. But he ran out on his, on his veranda, and he just shouts out, and he says, Slow down! And I had to look and try to figure out where he was. And finally I spotted him. And he shouted it again, slow down. And I, it all dawned on me that if I don't slow down, all of this wake is going to go in and I'm going to just bounce those boats out and bang them together and everything else. So I had to jam it back. And, and uh, re- what I was doing was reducing my wake. Because the bigger the boat, the bigger the wake. The greater the blessing, the greater the wake. And with Solomon... He affected Israel for over 300 years because of the effect of the decisions that he made. And so David writes and says, Salvation belong to the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. God has richly blessed us. God has profoundly blessed us. And he has done exceeding great things for us. It is really important for us to remember it is really important for us to remember that, that the blessing of God, even your salvation starting from there, the blessing of God is meant to move you forward in the design he has for your life. Not the design that you come up with, but the design he has for you in your life. How many would agree? Sometimes we talk about, well, you know, all I got is problems. I don't have this, I don't have that, and I need this, and Lord, I need that. And a lot of times that's how we think when we come to God. But in reality, let's think about it for a Stop for a minute. We as, as a group of people, we have been really favored of God. To have the message of the hour we have, to have it in our own language, to have it in all the different forms that we have. To have a message that within it contains rapturing faith. That you don't need to go anywhere or, you know, be under a certain minister in this hour or you don't need to uh, do anything else but to believe and only believe that all things are possible with God. And you know what? The promise of the Holy Spirit is that that will eventually work so great in your life that it will change your physical body and bring you to the body eternally that you belong in and have always meant to be in. But God allowed us to come to this earth for tempting and trials. Come on, folks, we are blessed. We are blessed to have such a lovely assembly. We are blessed to be able to have the freedoms that we have. We're blessed to be able to have money to go and have lunch today. We are blessed to have, uh, you know, the medical care that we have. And if you don't think that's great, even though some of it may be questionable, let me tell you, in other nations, they have nothing. 
They have nothing. And they have nowhere to turn. They have no resources, no recourse whatsoever. We are a blessed people to live in this nation. We are a blessed people to be in this church. We are a blessed people to be in this faith. Come on, somebody ought to say amen. We're a blessed people to have the fellowship we have. We're a blessed people to be, uh, you know, to be given the insight that we have and, and the strength and the health that we have. We're blessed to be able to have that. I think we're blessed to be able to have services consistently in our church. I'm thankful for that. And that's not to say that somebody else is not blessed because they had to shut their church down. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that as for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord His way. And we just want to say thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be able to have services consistently here. And we just put everybody under the covering and the protection of Almighty God every day that we uh, we breathe and every day that we pray. I think that's a good thing for us to do. You should pray that way for your family. And I pray every day for that for the church. And just trust that God will uh, protect us and keep us safe. And I'm thankful that He has so far. I'm very thankful that He has. We are a favored people. We are a people who have been given a promise that we will not have to go through tribulation. Do you realize all the unrest in these city streets and all the lawlessness and everything else that's moving that way? That's the spirit of lawlessness. It's not about race. It's the spirit of lawlessness that's invading our time. But that's what Second Thessalonians 2 talks about. When the man of sin rises, and uh, you know, it's a state of lawlessness for the world. And that's what we're moving towards. Let me give you a little piece of advice. You don't want to be in the tribulation time when there is no law, and there is no protection, and there is no justice, and there is no recourse, and there's no place for you to turn, and there's no God to answer back. And like Brother Branham said in the regions of the lost when he went there, he said there was no mom, and there was no dad, and there was no God, and there was nobody there to answer his cry. He's looking at a foretaste of tribulation, and you have been given a promise that you're not going to be in it at all. You're going to be taken before it actually breaks open. You're going to be gone in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody say, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings on my life. But remember, it's given to you. The blessings are given to you. You're favored because God wants to move you towards the goal He set for you quicker. Because you're doing right things. Because you're doing good things. Because when we when we get our eyes off of the leader, we get our eyes off of the word, we begin to think incorrectly about the ability of God to do things. Let me give you another example. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13. And I don't think I have this one either. Say this with me. I really love my Bible. It's Exodus chapter 13. Now watch what it says. They're still in Egypt. Exodus 13, they're still in Egypt. Chapter 12 is when the Passover is described. And God says he's going to pass through the land and kill the firstborn and so forth. So they're still there. Watch what it says now. 17, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them. This is now they're coming out in that, the first steps of the Exodus here. That God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines. Stop for a minute. How many believe that God promised to fight their battles? He said, I'll fight your battles for you. He said, you just follow me. You be my people. And he said, you just, you know, get in line like Joshua said, get in order, sanctify yourselves, and watch what great wonders I'll do among you. And God promised to fight their battles for for them, right? He led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent, that word in the Hebrew is fear. 
when they see war and they return to Egypt. God's, think about this. God's thinking about limitations on what he can do with this people when they're swallowed up in fear. He says, if I bring them out there the way of the Philistines and all of a sudden they declare war on us and we're out there in the wilderness and we've got nowhere to turn, you know what? They're going to turn and go back to Egypt. So God makes the decision now. This is not, this is not a consultation here. God actually says, I'm not going to lead them that way. I'm going to lead them this way, even though it's farther, because fear will strangle the people. Fear will, listen, fear will limit my ability to lead them. You know what? That's still true. When people are swallowed up in fear, and how many people do you know in your neighborhood or around in school or whatever else at your workplace, they're swallowed up in fear of what's coming. They don't know what's coming. And as a result, you know, it's almost like, you know, they, they, they can't do anything. They're, they're, they're bound stationary because they're afraid. And that's what fear will do. It will drive you back in the hands of the enemy you came out of. It will drive you back to Egypt if you let it. Fear will always take you backwards. God always wants to take you forwards. And God says, they're not ready to fight yet. They're going to have battles, even though I promised to fight for them. They're going to have battles, but not yet. So if you look then in the, in the following chapters, God begins to teach them some things about what you're going to experience on the journey. Chapter 14, verse 19. And the angel which went before the camp of Israel and removed and went behind them, pillar of fire, cloud went before them, and, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. God began to show them, no matter what situation you're in, I'm with you. I'm ahead of you. I'm behind you. I'm around you. I'm your support. They come to, they come in chapter 15. They come to Marah. And uh, they saw the waters there that were bitter. And God says, hey, I have a solution for that. And he throws the branch into the waters there, and the waters are made whole. Go over to verse 17. Chapter 17. Verse 8. Chapter 17, verse 8. And then Amalek fought with Israel in Rephidim. You know what that means? That means that God must have thought these people are ready to enter in the battle, else he would have taken them around Rephidim, because you know what? God was the one who was in control. Are we okay? So God knows, as a young group of people in the Exodus, hey, he's not going to lead them into the tough battles because they've got to learn a couple of principles first. They've got to learn that God is with them. They've got to have confidence that God is going to see them through. I'm not going to be much longer here. I just want to say this, that God knew what he was doing with his people, and he didn't lead them into a place of oppression, and he didn't lead them into a place of destruction, or would they be so overcome by fear that no matter what God did, they were still had their backs to their enemy, and they were running back to Egypt there. God God knew better than to do that. But on the, on the road, God taught them how to fight. He taught them warfare. He taught them who to rely on, no matter what their circumstance was. And when they came to that place where now, all of a sudden, uh, Amalek is there in Rephidim. And, uh, you know, this is the battle where Moses' hands are, are, are down. And they said, hey, get on the either side of Moses there and hold up his hands. You remember that? And when the people saw Moses' hands up in the air, they were encouraged. You know why? Because they knew that the word of the Lord had come to Moses and this was God's promise and this is God's program. 
this is God's doing. This is not Moses. This is not us. This is about God fulfilling his word to Abraham. This is about God getting us into the promised land. When they first came out in the Exodus, that was not their cry. That was not their testimony. But God began to teach them over time. Let me tell you something, saints of God. I believe the same thing is happening today. I believe that there are rough waters ahead of us. I believe that there are troubling things ahead of us. But by now, I hope you've got some of the lessons that adoption teaches us. And that is this. We are sons of the Father. The Father, Father God, the Creator, the one who is the strongest, the one who has all resources, and we are trusting in Him. We are more trusting in Him now than when we first began. We have more confidence in Him now than when we first began. And God does not bring us to a place where we're going to be overcome. God knows what we're able to handle. He's able to lead us around things that He does not want us to do battle with. But there are some things that God lets you come face to face with because they are part of the overcoming of God's people. Amen. Do you believe God knows what he's doing? Yes, sir. Let's stand to our feet. God knows exactly what lays ahead. When it came to the blessing of Solomon, <clears throat> a time of peace, a time of prosperity, a time of great favor and all the rest of it, and then all of a sudden now we see these counterfeit blessings in here and these counterfeit things here going on. The things that God had actually given them. Wow, think about this. If God's given us such a great revelation, we don't need to go somewhere else to find new revelation to make us stand out. You already stand out. By virtue of believing this message, you stand. You're an oddball. By virtue of believing this message. Isn't that right? Your strength is not in coming up with new things. Your strength is not trying to change your body ahead of the rest of the bride. Your strength, Brother Bram tells us, just to follow the leader. Follow the leader. The leader is Christ. Stay in your place. Stay in your line. Stay sanctified. Are we okay? Don't lose track of the basic things that God's taught us. Don't think that because you're getting older, you're exempt from all the rules and all the commandments and the guidelines that are found in Scripture. Don't think that. It's easy to think that. The more prosperous we become as a people, the more prosperous we become as a church, let me tell you, you can easily fall into the trap of feeling the need for God. I said you can fall into the trap of not feeling a need for God. May that never happen to us. May that never happen to us. I want to say this today. I believe I need you, and you need me, and we need him. We are what we are by the grace of God. If it was left up to me, I'd probably be in a prison cell somewhere. Let me tell you, we are what we are by the grace of God. Solomon had trouble remembering that. Satan tried to get Adam and Eve to do something different and convince them they needed something they already had. You'll become like God. We are like God. We're made in the image of God. It's amazing how Satan will mess with even the good things that God provides. But he'll do it. He'll do it. That's why I guess we need to We need to talk about things like this. Raised in his.
we have something great that's happening inside of us. But Lord, we are human. And we are subject, Lord, to the enemy and his trials in many ways. Father, I pray you'd always keep us steadfast. Keep us focused, Lord, upon the goal that you have for us, the purpose that you have for us. And Lord, may every blessing, may it turn into something, Lord, that moves us forward to the goal, the finish line, Lord. May it move us forward to completion. May it move us forward, Lord, to the place that you have designed for us. There is no one like you, Lord. There is no one who is able to give and to take away like you can. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us, oh God, with, with understanding, with, within the light that you've given us, to be able to look at things around us and realize that you have done, you have shown great favor to the bride of Christ. Not only through, through us in our lifetime, Lord, but all the way from the early church, Lord. No government, no power, no army, no religious organization was able to stop the bride of Christ. We are truly an invincible army. We are truly blessed of God and favored, Lord. Even when other nations and other systems crumble around us, we are a favored people. And Lord, you have brought us now as a part of this bride to the very end. I pray that we would follow that leader, follow that leader in a very determined way. We give you praise and we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. I give myself away. Let's sing that this morning here together. Jaron, why don't you just slide up here and help me sing this morning. I give myself away. Give myself away. So can use me, give myself away, oh I give myself away, so
How we love you, Lord Jesus. How we thank you, Lord Jesus. Come among us, oh God, I pray. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God still moves. I'm going to ask you now, as we leave today, I'm going to ask you to remember a special need, and that is for Sister Amber McCall. Uh, About 20 years ago, Sister Amber had a fall and had hardware placed in her spine, right, in her neck. And some way or another, that hardware has broken. And she has to go in tomorrow for surgery, and they have to replace it or repair it. They've basically got to fix that back up. But I don't know all the details, but it's it's causing her great pain and great suffering. And um, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, if we could just join our hearts together and just pray that the Lord will give her deliverance from uh, that pain and suffering that she's had, had it for a long time. And the reason she's not here today, it's just very difficult for her even to move in the, in the least. And um, we want to hold her up in prayer that God would guide the hands of the doctors and uh, just be able to place things back the way that they are. It, it's a terrible thing, but we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so God knows where everything belongs, and God's able to get it back in the right place. And so we're going to trust that he will... Uh, He will do that on behalf of our sister Amber tomorrow. Heavenly Father, as we join our hearts in prayer, Lord, for one of our own, we know, Lord Jesus, that you care about everything that we go through, Lord. Not a thing in the world, Lord, that we suffer or that we struggle with. Lord, you don't fully understand. You're a high priest who's waiting to be called upon, Lord, called into action. Brother Branham taught us, Lord, it's a prayer of faith that calls you on the scene. And Lord, in this situation, Lord, with Sister Amber, we lift her up in prayer before you and just pray that you would just give her relief of these symptoms, Lord. We pray she would not have to go through that surgery. But Lord, if she does, I pray that you would take the hand of the doctor. And Lord, you, the great physician, you would just guide that doctor, Lord, that he might do and and decide the right thing, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would just give her relief of these symptoms and, Lord, you'd give her a peace and the trust and confidence that you're in control. And, Lord Jesus, we believe, Lord, that you are a God who cares about all we go through. That's why we cast our cares upon you. That's why we give our needs to you, Lord. We believe that you hear us when we pray and when we cry. Lord, speak to us, I pray. Speak to Sister Amber today, Lord. Speak peace to her, that, Lord, she might have the rest in knowing that you're in control. She's a child of God. Father, we give her to you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Jesus, your name is... Jesus, your name Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Say it again.
verse again. Oh, Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is might. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Lord, bless us as we leave today. We thank you for this opportunity. We've had to be in your presence, Lord. Your word is so challenging. Your word uncovers everything, Lord, that happens in our lives. Lord, may we be good stewards over everything you've given to us. And may, Lord, we be like that woman that anointed your feet. May, Lord, we invest wisely. Father, we want to do things your way. We want you to say at the end of the road, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Have your way. Bless those that are not here, those that are out in the fellowship hall, and those that are hurting today. We commit them to you. We pray, Lord, for Sister Fraser. Just ask, oh God, that you would just undertake for her. Many other churches, many other people, Lord. We know that you're able to minister to each and every one. Bless the balance of our week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. all the brides said amen sing this as you go this morning may God bless you we'll see you here on Wednesday night Jesus your name will break Jesus your name is life Jesus your name is healing Jesus your name